We are talking about vision and values, and we've tried to just kind of hold up that picture of an aircraft carrier, of a place where where folks are deployed, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered world changers, uh, touching every facet of of our community, uh, neighborhoods, uh, businesses, school systems, uh, on and on and on it goes, government, etc., with with that that life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. But that picture of sending folks all across the world, and part of the the picture that we want to hold of that day when the sun will never set on the influence in the ministry of Fort Mill First Baptist Church as people are scattered all over the globe, carrying with them, taking with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we, we pursue uh, that vision, that, that, that sense of, of calling for this juncture in the long and rich history of this church, we do so informed by some key values. And that's what we've been talking about over the past a couple of weeks. We've been talking about biblical authority and that key question that we have to come back to, that foundational question, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say as we seek to align ourselves under the authority of God's Word? The second value that we talked about last week is the value of faith-filled prayer. And kind of the, the summary statement is that bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. And that, that, that faith-filled praying is to be an integral as a part of who we are. We talked about developing a rhythm of prayer, daily as an individual, weekly as a, as a group, maybe a family, uh, then monthly, gathering together as a church family. We're going to do that this Wednesday night in our Fresh Encounter uh, prayer time. And we build that rhythm into our life to come together to boldly pray before our God. Well, this morning we want to talk about the, the third of, of uh, six uh, of those values, and that is the, the value of transformational relationships. Transformational relationships. That relationships are key. They're not an addition to or an option you could choose to add on, but transformational relationships are God's plan A for shaping and molding our life. We were designed for a relationship with God, but also relationships with each other. And you see that from the beginning. You actually see that long before sin entered into the world. In Genesis 2, there's this passage, then the Lord God God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. That's not just a marriage passage, although it is a foundational marriage passage, but it's also a life passage. It's a life verse because it tells us how life operates, that we were not designed to be alone. Some of us by temperament or personality may may be highly relational, some may be less relational, but all of us were designed for relationships. Relationships are one of the key things that God uses to shape our life. The wisdom of Proverbs says is iron sharp sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. If we are going to unleash people who live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved and leave behind a legacy like Jesus left behind, it's going to be as they are sharpened and shaped through transformational relationships in our lives. Foundational, our relationship with God, but even more so, or in addition to God, uses our relationships with one another. So if we can kind of put this together in a statement, God has designed us 
He has intentionally designed us so that we must have relationships to grow into all that he desires us to be. In the absence of transformational relationships, horizontal relationships, I'm not going to be, you're not going to be everything God designed and desires you to be. And what we have found is that even in the research in a wide variety of fields, that affirms what the Bible has already said to be absolutely true. Through research in various fields, we know. We know the value of connection and the destructiveness of isolation. When people have strong support systems, the research tells us, they are physically healthier with stronger immune systems and less illness. Medically more likely to deal with their illnesses and treatment well. They are emotionally healthier with less stress, depression, and anxiety. They're much more likely to reach their attempts to change something in their lives, and they are more able to reach their goals. The research tells us everything we do and care about is affected by the quality, amount, and level of connection that we have in our lives, both on the positive as well as the negative side of life. If you and I are going to be who God has desired and designed us to be, it is going to require connection. It is going to require transformative or transformational relationships. But as we think about relationships, they come in all shapes and sizes. And one of the ways maybe we can think about it is levels. Levels of relationships. And and you could slice it perhaps, you could come up with 12 levels of relationships. Just for the kind of the sake of of beginning to think through this, I want to talk to you about four levels of relationship. And even as we're going through this, maybe you can begin to think, well, I I, I have some people at this level or this level or this level uh, along the way. The first level is is what we'll call the the checkout level. The checkout level. These are kind of initial relationships. These are relationships that that may not go anywhere, may not go very deep, but there's a sense of of checking it out, that I'm open to it. The scripture encourages us, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. There, there is that kind of an openness to relationship. I, I am approachable. And again, the model of this is Jesus, is he not? I mean, Jesus was incredibly approachable. Now, that didn't mean everybody liked him. It certainly didn't mean everybody followed him. In fact, some ended up very much, much opposed to him. But there was something about Jesus. There was an openness. He, he never compromised truth, but he was approachable. There was a hospitality to him. There was an openness to him. And that, that needs to be part of our mark, the, a mark of our life, that there is that we, we're, we check out. We, we're we're kind of open. There is a, an openness to us along the way. But if that's the only level of our relationships, it's pretty shallow, isn't it? And so we have other levels. Let's call the second level the choice level. The choice level, and these might be social friendships. These may be folks that we, we have some interaction with along the way. We, we choose to spend time with these po- folks. And it's oftentimes based on a mutual interest. So maybe we work together or that sort of thing. Or maybe we live in the same neighborhood or our kids are the same age or we have some of the same hobbies or involved in some of the same activities or we follow the same sports teams or whatever it may be. But there, there's something that probably has brought us together. And so we, we choose to 
spend some time with these folks. These, these are, are not necessarily the deepest relationships, but, but we're choosing to spend time with these. And again, we can just kind of look to the model of Jesus uh, in that. Uh, you remember Jesus uh, uh, walking through in, in Zacchaeus, uh, the children's song, since we recognize joy today, a wee little man up in the tree, right? Uh, and Zacchaeus uh, said to that wee little man, I'm going to come into your house today, right? He chose to spend some time with him. And so beyond just kind of a, a general approachability and a checkout level, there are some folks that will say, yeah, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to spend a little more time with them. And out of that may grow the, the third level of uh, relationship or friendship, and that's the companionship level. The companionship level. And these will be closer friendships. Uh, and while these may start at the choice level, sometimes these are honed in the midst of adversity or a shared need. Uh, there, there, there's something about maybe going through a little bit of a fire or a testing time uh, that, that uh, goes through. There's something about being in the foxhole with somebody that, that, that forges a, a different level of relationship along the way. And again, Scripture speaks to this. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And that sometimes God uses adversity or, or challenge to, to hone something in us, or maybe it's just even work on a goal or, or something together along the way in that companionship level. Jesus, again, modeled this for us. Uh, he had, had a home that was so significant to him. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, her sister's name Mary, and Lazarus. And there was something about that home that it was a, a place of renewal. It was a place that, of companionship. It was a place of refueling and replenishment for Christ. And so he, he invested in that relationship at a different level than he certainly did Zacchaeus or the crowds along the way. But the companionship level is not necessarily the deepest level, although almost any of those levels can have some transforming effect on us. Real transformational relationships get to the change level, the change level. And these are, would be the intimate relationships of our life. These would be the ones where we really dive deep. These are the ones that really mark our life. And there may not be tons of these in your life. And in fact, they may just even be for a season of your life. Some may be lifelong, but some may be for a season. And then, you know, there's geography and other things that enter into that along the way and frequency of contact and all that. But, but there, there's, there, there's something deeper about these relationships. And again, the model of Jesus was with the disciples that he called all these disciples. But from this group, he chose. He chose 12 that he was going to invest in in a radically different way. He was going to relate to them in a radically different way. In fact, I think it's fair that you could argue from Scripture that even within that group of 12, there was three. And those three he invested in even at a different level than he had the 12. And so there, there are those relationships in our life that, that, that become, become more. They become deeper. That there becomes kind of a window, if you will, into each other's souls a little bit that, that allows us to experience the transformative power of God-given and God-designed relationships. And those are some of the key relationships. That's the value we're wanting to lift up. And as a model of that, I wanted us to look in Scripture. I wanted us to look at a, at, at a powerful friendship in Scripture. It's an Old Testament friendship between David and 
who would become king, and Jonathan, who was the son of the current king. And we looked uh, uh, at some of the qualities of David's life uh, uh, last fall and how God kind of develops a heart like his. But I want us to hone in on this relationship. And in that, discover five characteristics. And not to say there's only five characteristics, but to discover five easily displayed characteristics of transformational relationships. And as we go through this, I would just encourage you to maybe think, am I experiencing some of these characteristics in some of the relationships in my life? Am I displaying some of these characteristics in some of the relationships in my life? The first characteristic is a commitment. A commitment born out of love. Relationships that transform have at the base love and a commitment that is born out of that love. So if you turn to 1 Samuel 18, as Jonathan and David are coming together in this transforming relationship, we discover these words, the first three verses. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. There was a love, a knitting of souls. And out of that, there was a commitment. That Jonathan made this covenant with David. That this was something powerful. This was a commitment born out of love. And when you think about this commitment, there are several aspects to it. One, it's spoken. It's spoken. He he made this covenant. And so there was this communication. It was not only, I I feel this love, I feel this connection, I feel the power of this relationship, but I'm going to communicate that to you. And love needs to be spoken. Friendship needs to be spoken. And and so there there needs to be kind of a revealing of what it is, is in our heart and in our mind. And so there is power in a spoken word. You know, don't don't be like the, the husband who told his wife, you know, I told you I loved you when we got married, and if anything changes, I'll tell you, right? I mean, that's not enough, right? That's not enough. There there is power in words, powers to cut and destroy and tear down, but, but powers to affirm and to build up and to transform in positive ways. A commitment born out of love that's spoken, but not just spoken, but also proven, proven, because it's not just about words, but it's also about actions. And we won't, uh, for the sake of time, uh, read in detail all of these verses, but I gave them to you because I I want you to be able to dive deeper if you would like. But in chapter 19, in those first six verses, you have, have Jonathan who is who is just uh, interceding, if you will, on behalf of David. And he warns David of Saul's growing anger. In fact, is he even intervenes. He steps in to, to challenge his father on behalf of David. It was one thing to say, I love you and I am committed to you. But it's another thing to say, I, in fact, is I'm willing to go to bat for you. I'm willing to step in, even at risk to, to my relationship with my father, risk perhaps to what he would do to me. I'm going to intervene on your behalf. He didn't just say words, although the words were powerful and important, but he also backed it up 
with actions. Kind of like the old boy who was dating a girl and he was trying to impress her with his words. And oh, honey, I love you so much. He said, if I was an octopus, I'd wrap all eight arms around you and hold you tight. And she looked at him and said, well, what's wrong with the two arms you got, right? I mean, don't tell me what you'd do if you had eight arms, right? Show me what you're going to do with the two arms you have, right? There is spoken words powerful. But there are also the actions of love, the actions born out of a commitment of love. And those actions are oftentimes sacrificial. They're oftentimes sacrificial. If you go to chapter 20, you have that moment where, where Jonathan is, is, is recognizing that, that he, he's not going to be king. That it is actually God's design that David would be king and instead of being threatened by that Jonathan is willing to sacrifice for that Saul's anger is kindled against Jonathan he says don't you realize in choosing the son of Jesse being David for as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth neither you nor your kingdom will be established and Jonathan's okay with that he's okay with that and egos putting aside even perhaps personal ambition put aside to sacrifice that for his friend. You see, transformational relationships always cost something. It costs something to love someone, doesn't it? I mean, the, the, you, know, there's the, 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 you know, there's the romance and the, 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 the good feelings and all those things, but genuine love over time costs something. It costs something to love someone well. Transformational relationships have a commitment born out of love. It's spoken, it's proven, and it's sacrificial. But out of that commitment is also a high belief, a high belief in one another. And if you continue reading in chapter 18, verse 4, that you're going to read something that maybe at first glance seems like a nice gesture, but not that big a deal. But it may be more in there than we first read. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. And you might be thinking, well, Jonathan looked and said his friend wasn't dressed real well, just kind of spruce up his wardrobe a little bit. But, but it was more than that. These were the things that belonged to uh, the, the son of the king. These were the, the armor, and the sword, and the belt, and the robe, and all those things that were the one who was going to be the next king. And in, in that communication, Jonathan is already recognizing something in his friend. He is already seeing something in his friend and he is speaking not just with words but he's speaking with with his actions his high belief in his friend transformative relationships have a belief in one another and in fact as a friend often sees something in us that we might not see in ourselves right and that that, that sometimes is so transforming and I've shared with you, some of you before, uh, parts of my story. And one part of my story is that I know, I know for a fact that I would not be standing here teaching today if it weren't for people who spoke into my life, for people who saw something in me that I didn't have a clue about. I, I still remember God sent across my path, and I can still see some of their faces. Some of them I knew very, very well. Some of them I hardly knew at all. They, they spoke into my life, and they, they, said, they said, young man, have you ever thought, have you ever thought that God might be calling you into the ministry? 
And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, literally, my first reaction was, <laughs> I mean, that was, that was my, the first time somebody said that to me. It was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? I thought, who wants to wear a suit and bore people the rest of their life, right? No way. No way in the world uh, would God ever do anything like that to me, right? No way. But God kept sending some people across my path. He kept sending some people who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. That I didn't even kind of have the, the mental horsepower and mental grid to even see that through. That's what transformative relationships can do in your life. I love the way that Henry Ford talked about it years ago. Your best friend helps bring out the very best that is in you. Man, if a friend drags you down, they're not your best friend, are they? They may be transforming you, but it's in the wrong way. But those real transformative relationships help bring out the very best that is in you. They see something in you that perhaps you don't see in yourself, and they help draw that out. God uses that, uses that relationship to draw out his best from you. Transformative relationships have a commitment that's born out of love. They have a high belief in one another. But that belief in one another doesn't stop them from engaging in confrontation. Transformative relationships have that commitment of love, and it's a commitment that allows them to speak truth into the lives of one another. And so when you get to chapter 20, those first few verses, what you find is Jonathan's still struggling. He's still struggling with the idea that his dad could be acting in such a way that he would actually plot to kill David. And so David finally has to confront Jonathan and just say, Jonathan, basically, if you read it, you're blind to this. He, he is not just angry. He is seeking my life. And he confronts him with that, with that truth. And, and Jonathan understands that, and he comes to, to grips with that. And so he's, he's even eventually warns David of that plot along the way. The Scripture says that better uh, is open rebuke uh, than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Sometimes I say it this way, not everybody that kisses you is your friend, and not everybody that uh, confronts you is your enemy, right? Sometimes we need somebody in our life who loves us enough to say, dude, what are you thinking? I don't know if you get what's going on, but this is how it's coming across. You're better than that. There's more in you than that. You can grow beyond that. This is often one of the most difficult things to do and to do well. Because some of us, by temperament, we don't like to do this, right? I mean, for many of us in the room, it's kind of like, the last thing I want to do is bring up a hard subject. The last thing I want to do, I don't want my friend to be mad at me. I don't want them to be angry with me I, or whatever it may be. I'm afraid I'll lose this friendship, and so we don't even want to bring it up. Now, there are others that seem to not have any hesitation to bring it up, right? I mean, they, it's kind of like they wake up in the morning wondering, who can I confront today, right? And they seem bent on that. But what I have found, many folks that lean heavy that way do it real poorly, 
I mean, they, 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 to their credit, at least they engage in it, but they oftentimes don't engage in it very well. And so sometimes it ends up being more destructive than constructive, not because what they said wasn't true, but because the way that they approached it is. And that's probably a whole other series of messages. But the, the challenge is, how can I say it and say it well? How can I lean into that difficult conversation but do it in a way that has the best opportunity to be received well? I remember reading years ago about Ben Franklin. And Ben Franklin, of course, we, we kind of note some of his people skills and some of those other things along the way now, but it wasn't always that way. In fact, as Franklin records a conversation, a confrontation uh, that a friend had with him, here's how Franklin kind of recorded that. The man came to him, Ben, you are impossible. Your opinions have a slap in them for everyone who differs with you. They have become so offensive that nobody cares for them. Your friends find they enjoy themselves better when you're not around. (laughs) How's that for a friend, right? You know so much that no man can tell you anything. Indeed, no man is going to try For the effort would lead only to discomfort and hard work. So you are not likely ever to know any more than you do now, which is very little. Whoa. One of the reasons Franklin recorded that is because it was transformative for him. And you go on to... To, to track with Franklin, not that he was, you know, right or virtuous in everything by any stretch of the imagination, but, but as, you, as you track with that, one of the great services he did to this country was diplomacy <laughs> because he had learned some lessons from somebody that believed in him enough to say the hard thing. Transformational relationships, commitment born of love, high belief, but also the willingness to confront. There's a fourth characteristic that we see in Jonathan and David, and that is the characteristic of honest emotions. There there was a a rawness, an honesty to their emotions. And so uh, as you continue to follow chapter 20, uh, Jonathan ends up discovering what David said is true, that, jo- that Saul indeed wants to kill David, and they have devised this system, how they'll communicate it by shooting arrows and that sort of thing, and having a young uh, boy pick up the arrows. And then in verse 41, as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground, bowed three times, and they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Now, please understand who these men are. These are soldiers. These are warriors. These are guys who are, are, are as a challenge uh, initiative, take charge, get it done, fight hard kind of people as you'll find. And yet, because of their relationship, it was safe enough to have honest emotions, to open up their heart, to let it all pour out there. And that range of emotions is, is part of what uh, good relationships allow. Paul wrote to the Romans, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. A wide range of emotions. The honest truth is sometimes in our worlds, 
we are better at weeping with those who weep than rejoicing with those who rejoice, aren't we? Sometimes it's a little easier to come along somebody when they're hurting and weep with them. But then if they got a promotion that we didn't get, or they get to do something we don't get to do, or they get a success we didn't get, oh, man, it takes a little more love, a little less ego to rejoice with that, doesn't it? To rejoice with those who rejoice. But transformational relationships can range that emotion. In fact, is it actually should mark our relationship with God. And have you ever read the Psalms and just kind of read it in the sense of, look at the emotions that are displayed here. I mean, and David, and he's pouring out his heart to God. I mean, I mean, there's some, there's some praise God, hallelujahs. There's like, God, what are you doing? And I'm angry and I don't understand. And I feel betrayed and alone and all these things. There's this wide range of honest emotions. And that's present. Certainly they have to be communicated well. Uh, but, but we understand it is a safe place. Transformational relationships are safe places to feel what you feel and to communicate what's on your heart. Honest emotions mark transformational relationships. There's one last characteristic, and that's the characteristic of encouragement. The characteristic of encouragement. By the time you get to chapter 23, David is on the run. Saul is literally hunting him down, trying to kill him and take his life. And Jonathan is, is definitely caught in the middle, but he has such great love for his friend. And so by the time you, you come to, to verse uh, 15 there, uh, you find Jonathan going out of his way uh, to invest in the life of his friend. Saul is in pursuit of David. And da- verse 15, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul my father also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David remained at Horish, and Jonathan went home. I love that expression there in verse 16, and strengthened his hand in God. Isn't that what encouragement is? Giving us courage, infusing us with fresh courage for the challenge, for the problem, for the opportunity, for that which is is weighing us down along the way. We need those people who step into our life when maybe we feel like we're being hunted down by life who will step in and be used by God to strengthen our hand in God, to strengthen our hand in the Lord. Years ago, a newspaper ran a contest uh, looking for the best definition of a friend, and they ended up having hundreds, even thousands of submittals. Some great ideas, great concepts, great statements along the way. But as they, they, the editorial group kind of worked their way through that, they ended up settling on one description, and this is it. A friend is one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. A friend is one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. <laughs> David probably felt like the whole world had gone out, but Jonathan came in. Jonathan came to him. Jonathan initiated with him to encourage, to strengthen his hand 
in the Lord. We need people in our life who will come in when it seems like everybody else is going out. God probably wants to use you in some people's lives to be that person who goes in when the rest of the world's stepping out. Here's my conviction. My conviction is, and and I'm not trying to limit God in any way, shape, or form, but I don't know that David would have fulfilled God's calling on his life had it not been for the friendship with Jonathan. That is the power of a transformational relationship. That is part of God's plan A, God's design for you and I to be in those transformational relationships. Which then leads to the obvious question, how can I develop these types of relationships? I mean, where do you go shopping for those, right? I mean, what's the app? I want to download it quick, right? Well, there are probably several layers to this answer, but let me give you the foundational layer and then throw out a few other thoughts. The foundational answer is this, by becoming that type of a person. By becoming that type of a person. Uh, You you want to be in transformational relationships? Be a transformational kind of person. Be a person who has a commitment born out of love. Be a person who believes in other people. Be a person who leans in sometimes to difficult conversations and learns to do them well. Be a person who who comes and and offers that, that encouragement along the way, who is open to expressing and even receiving honest emotions. As you begin to develop those qualities in your life, you're much more likely to connect with people who have those qualities in their life. So I think that's the foundational point. That's the beginning answer. But let me just go ahead and build on that. Can I encourage you to think about, have you ever prayed for those kind of relationships? Have you ever just said, God, you know, you're the one who, who your plan A is people, so God, help me to see the people around me. And maybe there's some people who are at the checkout level in your life. Maybe there's some people you're starting to choose to spend some time with. Maybe there's even some folks that just kind of at that companionship level. And you just kind of think, God, help me to see. Help me to be that kind of person, but help me to see. Who are are some of those people that you might be bringing into my life? Put yourself in a place. Put yourself in a place where you're most likely to meet those types of people. And that's why we just encourage you all the time. You've heard me say it. Don't just settle for sitting in rows. Don't just let your only connection to this church family be in this environment. Don't just settle for rows, but also get in circles. And so as you leave today, there's going to be a card available. Some of you may have gotten some on the way in. I don't know. But if you didn't on the way out, the ushers will have some. It's just a listing of some adult Bible fellowships, uh, some information about groups that you can easily maybe begin to connect to. Just to try those out. If you're not already connected, start. Put yourself in an environment where you can meet those kind of people. I say all the time, somebody says, well, what if I check, go to a group and it's just not a right mix? Go to another group. You know, uh, just try another one on for size. It's legal. It's okay. Different fits for different folks along the way. Check it out, but don't just drop out along the way. Continue to put yourself in those environments where you can build those kind of relationships. And then be willing to take some relational risks. Test the waters. And sometimes, as I've talked with folks about this through the years, they say, yeah, but but, 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 you don't understand. I had this bad experience. I had this bad experience. Listen, this is what I will tell you. 
If you take relational risk, you will get your heart broken along the way. All right? Guarantee it. Because we live in a sin-scarred world, and we bump up against each other. We bruise each other. Occasionally, we cut each other, right? And if you want me to do something, I could tell you lots of stories personally of how my heart's been broken. Oh, folks, I have risked and invested in relationally who betrayed trust and did horrible things. But I'm not going to let them keep me from connecting. So here's what I'm going to say to you. If you take relational risk, your heart will get broken from time to time. But if you don't take relational risk, you may think your heart won't get broken, but it'll get hard. It'll get hard. It'll get hardened to people, and it'll get hardened to God. Better to risk a few broken hearts along the way than to guarantee a hardening of the heart throughout your life. Take a few relational risks and see what God might do. As we talk about all of those things, and I could certainly go on and on on that, but let me just try to bring this to one very, I think, important reminder. And that is simply this, that no matter how great, no matter how great your human relationships There will always be an emptiness. There will always be a void in your life if you do not develop a relationship with God. Yes, God's plan A includes people, but it is is built on a platform of our relationship with God him. And and I'm not talking about just being religious here. I'm talking about being in a real relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody that's on a church roll or somewhere along the way was baptized or confirmed or is is a relatively moral person in their own mind. Not that is not what it means to be in a relationship. The relationship with God is built on the fact we recognize that Jesus Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we repent and we turn away from our sin and we place our our hope, our faith, our trust, our belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what it means to enter into a relationship with God. And I want you to think about these qualities. Is that not how God has related to you and to me? I mean, God relates to you and I out of a commitment born out of love. He has spoken about his love. He has proved his love over and over again in creating us and sustaining us and and communicating to us and forgiving us. And it is a sacrificial love. He sent his son to die so that the relationship could be reestablished. He loves you with a love demonstrated in commitment. He believes in you. He knows what he has placed in you. He knows what he wants to draw out of you. He knows what he wants to do in you and through you. Nobody believes in you like God believes in you. He cares enough to confront you with truth, doesn't he? And sometimes we don't always want to hear it, but as you go to that word, God takes that mirror of the word, as we said a couple weeks ago, and he shows you some things about your life. He confronts you with truth, and he invites you to share honest emotions. Cast all of your cares upon him. Come before your heavenly Father with your joys, your hopes, your goals, your dreams, your fears, your worries, your concerns, the whole range of emotions. And then he encourages you daily through the ever-present Holy Spirit.
you will not have a greater friend than you'll have in Jesus Christ. There will be no more transformational relationship than your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It will be the deepest and most powerful relationship that you can ever have. And so even as we're talking about transformational relationships, I just need to encourage you to know that you know, to know that you know that you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if there's any question about that, before you leave this room today, I'm going to encourage you, make your way to a connect room. Make your way to a connect room. And we've got some folks that are there. They'll be glad to talk with you about what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ, what it means to enter into a relationship with him. And so what I want us to do for just a few moments as we close, I'm just going to ask you just to be still in God's presence. And I want to pray for you. And then I want to ask you to take just a few moments and look over those questions under that heading, making it personal. And I'm going to encourage you just to begin to write out some of the things that maybe God's prompting in you right now. Would you just allow me to pray for us? Father, thank you. Thank you for relationships. Thank you that you made us. You created us for relationships. And Father, some of us have had awesome experiences. Some of us have had some challenging experiences along the way. But Father, I pray wherever this day finds us that you would just stretch us, that you would call us to a new level of relationship, a new level of relationship with you. And so, Father, just ask today, would you help us to know exactly where we stand before you? What is the status of our relationship? And Father, help us to understand maybe what that next step is to go deeper with you. And Father, even as we've been praying the one cry prayer request today, Father, if there's any laziness that's kind of entered into our relationship with you, I pray, Father, that you just kind of rattle our cage a little bit today and just call us anew and afresh to a deep relationship with you. And Father, I'm just going to ask, Lord, would you just kind of help us to just really see the status of the relationships of our life? Just uh, We have folks at all different levels, and that's good, that's appropriate. But, Father, I just even pray, would you just show us what's the relational need we have at that change level? Who might be a person that you're bringing into our life for us to be that kind of friend to them and for them to be that kind of friend to us? And then, Lord, I just pray as we think about these characteristics and qualities. Lord, would you hone them in us? Would you shape them in us so that we might be that kind of friend, that kind of person, that kind of man, that kind of woman? Would you, Father, send those people into our lives? Would you help us to be open to those people in our lives who can be those kind of people? Father, thank you. Thank you for the transformative power of relationships. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for what you're doing in us. And as you just take these last couple of moments.